0: Would you lift your hands to Jesus one more time across this building? Hallelujah. Could you respond to the presence of the Holy Ghost that's made itself known in this house this morning? Hallelujah. Come on, would you lift your voice in praise to our great God right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for meeting us here. We worship you this morning. Hallelujah! 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 As as pastor was speaking just m- a moment ago, the thought occurred to me. The story came to my mind. The woman with the issue of blood pressed through the crowd, and she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. It was a common known fact that the the uh, oil of the anointed always ran down. And that day and time, everybody on the street that day understood the simple fact that the anointing oil ran down from the head to the foot of God's anointed. It was also commonly known that the excess oil, the, 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 the extra, the leftover, the excess oil was caught in the hem. No wonder this woman believed that if she could just touch the hem of his garment. No wonder she believed that she could just reach out and, and tap into the flow of the anointing. Oh, I feel in the Holy Ghost right now if somebody would lift their hands and just begin to reach out and, and just somehow tap into the flow of the anointing. I believe this is going to be a monumental day in somebody's life. Things are going to be different from this moment on. Come on, all across this building, would you lift your hands, would you lift your voice to Jesus Christ right now? Would somebody just begin to tap into the flow of his spirit? Somebody get in the flow where his anointing is sweeping through this building right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, just a moment longer. Would you press your way in in desperation? Come on, lift your voice in fervency to the Lord. God, I've come expecting something from you. I've come desiring your touch. Lord, we reach out to you. We seek your will. We seek your will. We bow at your feet. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you clap your hands one more time? unto him and give him great praise if you believe he's going to do something in your life this morning hallelujah hallelujah what a wonderful presence of God is in this place I believe he's come for a purpose this morning and there's no other way we could no better way we could prepare ourselves for what he's going to do than to simply worship him entertain his presence your matchless power, never-ending mercy, grace-like river to my soul. Your redeeming blood flowing from the cross, a price no one else could pay. I found that your love is amazing, and I found that your goodness is forever, and I found that you are the only, the only one worthy, the only one. Somebody believe that in the house this morning. You're the only one worthy of praise Forever I'll bless your name Your people proclaim your majesty And one day every tongue will Confess that Jesus is the only, the only one worthy of praise. But I found that your love is amazing, and I found that your goodness is forever. I found that you are the your name, your people proclaim your majesty, and one day every time we'll confess that Jesus is the only, Jesus is the only. proclaim your majesty one day every tongue will confess, we'll confess that Jesus is the only Jesus is the only one worthy of praise ah oh, Jesus is the only Jesus is the only, the only one worthy, the only one worthy. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad he is high and lifted up? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm thankful for the forgiveness that we find through the cleansing blood of Jesus. It doesn't matter where we've been or what we have done. We can come to the Master and find forgiveness and find grace. Amen. I'm thankful for His mercy and His great love wherewith He loved us. Amen. And there's so many times I can look back over my life and count the times that I have failed the Lord and I have turned from Him and not being all that I should for Him. But I'm so thankful that we serve a God of second chances. Yes. And even when we fail, even when we uh, can't seem to, to reach the level that we should be reaching in God. There's just another wave of His mercy that seems to sweep over our spirit and give us That second wind. I'm so thankful for His great mercy and His incredible grace. Thank you, Jesus. I started on this journey, traveling on my own. I began to slowly drown in sin, there was no way I'd make it home. But then the merciful hand of Jesus stretched forth and He said, be still. The storm succumbed, He picked me up, and I began to feel another wave of mercy, another breeze of His love. The swelling tide of His redeeming blood to wash my soul. Just another wave of mercy. Another trickle of His grace. A cleansing stream to wash me clean. From sin I've been made free with another wave of mercy. Aren't you thankful for that mercy today? Hallelujah. Still the storms of life, they're raging. There's darkness all around. I begin to feel the cold of sin. There's no safe or solid ground. But I just cry out to the Master. And He comes and comforts me i feel the warmth of his powerful grace and then reminded why i'm free with just another wave of mercy another breeze of his love a swelling tide of his redeeming blood to wash my soul just another wave of mercy another trickle of his grace A cleansing stream to wash me clean From sin I've been made free With another wave of mercy If you're thankful God reached out to where you were one day You ought to lift your hand in praise to Him right now Thank you Lord With just another wave of mercy Another breeze of His love a swelling tide of his redeeming blood to wash my soul just another wave of mercy another trickle of his grace a cleansing stream to wash me clean from sin I've been made free with another wave of mercy yeah another wave of mercy Bible said His mercies, compassions are renewed every morning. Amen. That tells me that they're never ending, they're everlasting. Amen. So regardless of what I go through, I've got a fresh dose of mercy. Amen. to accompany me through the problems and burdens of life. The last several days, I've had a particular song in my mind, an old song. again today I had it on my spirit. I'm so incredibly thankful for the love of God. It's probably one of those things that we easily take for granted. We've got used to hearing about it. We've memorized songs about it. We've quoted scriptures about it. But it's one of those things that it really doesn't move us like it ought to. one of those things that really doesn't stir our soul and, and really speak to us like it once did I've prayed here recently that God would soften my heart toward the things that I've grown cold toward the things that should move me that don't really affect me like they ought to and people who live their life Not knowing about God's great love I don't know how they make it from day to day I don't know how they survive The cares and troubles and burdens That this life brings their way Because until you've known the love of God You've known nothing I want you to listen to this old song could own all the world and its money. Build castles tall enough to reach the sky above. Then you'd know nothing Until you've known the love of God Until you've known the loving hand That reaches down to a fallen man And lifts him up from out of sin Where he has drawn How it feels to know that God is really real, then you've known nothing until you've known the love of God. If in this life you could meet everybody. And you could call every name from here to yon. But if you've not come face to face with Jesus and His saving grace, then you've known no one until you've known God and you believe that until you've known the loving hand that reaches down to a fallen man and lifts him up from out of sin where he has drawn until you've known just how that God is really real then you've known nothing until you've known the love of God if in this life you could meet everybody and you could call name from here to yon, but if you've not come face to face with Jesus and His saving grace, then you've known no one until you've known God and His love. to a fallen man and lifts him up from out of sin where he has drawn until you've known just how it feels to know that God is really real then you've known nothing until you've And God is really real Then you've known nothing Until you've known the love of God Hallelujah Hallelujah, could you thank Him for that great love right now? Hallelujah, if you've come to experience that love Oh, there ought to be thankfulness in your spirit this morning. time saying he's all I need yes he's all I need Jesus If that's the way you feel, would you lift your hand to the master right now and let him know, God, you're everything I need. You're all I've ever longed for. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You're everything I need this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The thought occurred to me yesterday. He is the shoulder to cry on. He's the helping hand. He's the ear that always listens. He's the truth that always stands. He's a voice that always speaks. When I'm in triumph or when I'm in trouble, Jesus is everything that I need. <laughs> I know it's simple, I know it's probably cliched, but Jesus is everything. I need. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would, stand to your feet with me this morning. Amen. Go to the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse number 45. Amen, amen, amen. Such a wonderful, wonderful presence of the Holy Ghost. Praise God that is in this place this morning. And I believe God has come to do something great, amen, in our midst this morning. Anybody believe that with me? Amen, amen, such an honor to be here in Lake City once again Amen, give honor to your pastor, brother and sister McCall Such wonderful people that I am privileged to count friends in my life And you ought to thank God every day for your pastor Amen, and for a man of God who will preach truth Amen, and look out for your soul Amen, thank God for, for a pastor Amen, amen, such a privilege to be here in the house of the Lord Amen. I won't preach long this morning. It's eleven oh nine. I'm aware of the time, and I didn't eat breakfast, so I'm just as hungry as you are right now. Amen. But I do believe the Lord has laid something on my spirit. Amen. And and late last night, God uh, just kind of began to deal with me concerning what I'm going to preach this morning. wasn't even really wasn't even prepared to preach it. Amen. But by the help of the Holy Ghost, we're just going to follow after Him and allow His Spirit to speak to us. Amen, this morning. I want to try to help somebody today. Amen. There's many things I would have loved to preach. I would have loved to come and just just scream and holler and swing off of that ceiling fan. And we just leave all fired up today. Amen. And we may do that tonight. Who knows what God has. Amen. But this morning, I believe there's going to be a, a sovereign deep move of the Holy Ghost in the next few moments. Amen. And I believe somebody's life can be changed Amen. By the power and the visitation of the Holy Ghost. If you believe that, would you clap your hands one more time to Jesus. Amen. Book of Mark, chapter 6. I may have said Matthew a while ago. If I did, I apologize. Book of Mark, chapter 6, verse number 45 says this. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida. Wow. Uh, he sent away the people, and when He had sent them away, He departed into a mountain to pray. And when He even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and He alone on the land. And, and He saw them toiling in rowing. Somebody say, He saw them. For the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night He cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. 49 says this, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. I don't know what kind of storm or what kind of situation you find yourself in today. I don't know what uh, need may be facing you, but I do know this one thing. Jesus is in the midst. We have no reason to be down in the mullygrubs grubs this morning, but we can put a smile on our face and know that Jesus is with us uh, and we have no reason to be afraid. Amen. I want to preach to us with the help of the Holy Ghost for a few moments on this subject. Insight, but not out of distance. Insight, but not out. Insight, but out of distance. That's my time. Would you put your Bibles down lift your hands to Jesus one more time? Could we ask the Holy Ghost to help us right now? Jesus, what a wonderful presence of your Spirit is in this house right now. God, we look to you. We depend upon you this morning. God, take us beyond the ordinary. Take us beyond the familiar today. Take us beyond where we've been before, God. I pray that you would uh, minister in a special way to hearts, to needs, to situations. Uh, Minister directly to situations that uh, seem to have overtaken our victory and our joy and our peace. God, I pray that you would restore in this house today, that you would strengthen and encourage uplift in the Holy Ghost in this house, that there be revelation, that there be understanding. God, come upon us in Jesus' name. We thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If it believes God's going to do something great, clap your hands one more time. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The greatness of our God is not solely based upon the conclusion that nothing is too big for Him, but it is also the realization that nothing is too small for Him. He cares about every detail of our lives. He cares about everything from the big issues down to the minute problems that we face on a day-to-day basis. He cares about us. There is no friend like Jesus. He said, I'll be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He said, I'll never leave and I'll never forsake you. He cares about us. Scripture records more than 400 names for God which all reveal something about Him and His nature. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. He is Jehovah Titskanu, the Lord our uh, righteousness. I even heard one preacher preach one time, he's Jehovah Nikatime, Because he always shows up right in the nick of time. Anybody know that to be the truth? I especially like this one. Bible talks about Jehovah Roi, which is the God who sees. The God who sees. I read recently the founding fathers of our great country believe in this great God who sees everything. They even referred to it as the eye of providence. Our founding fathers respected and reverence God's providential care so much that they commissioned a Swiss artist to incorporate the all-seeing eye into his design of the great seal of the United States. As a result of that direct command of their request, every time you pull out a one-dollar bill, his eye is watching you. That, that, that eye of providence, that eye is watching you. You see, not only is there no thing that he doesn't know, but there is no place and no person that our God cannot see. Amen. This principle, this proven fact is hard for our human mind to comprehend and compute because our ability to see is limited by distance. Our ability to observe, our ability to simply see is often hindered by distance. For humanity, distance is not always endearing. Uh, Oftentimes, distance is separation. Distance is often a disconnect. Distance is sometimes a barrier. Distance is sometimes a detachment. Distance uh, sometimes uh, is a loss. We've all heard it said, and perhaps probably most of us in the room have probably said it ourselves, the phrase, out of sight, out of mind. What we don't see, we don't think about. I'm thankful that God does not have that problem. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 3 says this, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Matthew 10, 31 said this, Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows." From that scripture was written the infamous lyric, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know that he is watching me. As a young child, I recall very vividly in my mind an elder in my home church who would often get up and sing this song. He would say, watching you... Watching you, there is an all-seeing eye watching you. It goes hand in hand with what the writer wrote in 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. You see, not one time have I slipped off of God's radar. Not one time have I come up missing from His vantage point. Never have I escaped his all seeing eye. There has never been a a missing person's postcard hanging on the bulletin board of heaven because nothing gets by our God. He is the God that sees. One of the most beautiful examples of this in scripture exists within the storyline of a Sunday school favorite. In Mark chapter 3, actually the occurrence is recorded by uh, Matthew, Mark, and John, and each of them give a bit of added insight into this great miracle that Jesus performed. After Jesus had uh, marvelously fed the 5,000 with just five loaves and two fish, Jesus commanded His disciples to get into a boat and sail across the sea following the dismissal of the crowd there uh, uh, on, on the, the big supper table where he fed the 5,000. Uh, upon the dismissal of the crowd, Jesus, uh, I said, climbed into a mountain or upon a mountain to pray. As he prayed there, the disciples uh, journeyed out across the sea. We find the night grew late, morning drew close, and the boat full of disciples uh, sailed into a fierce Storm. Though the disciples were in a, a, a stormy situation, Jesus Himself remained uh, on land. But out at sea, uh, winds begin to howl. Uh, waves begin to crash. The winds begin to rock that little fishing boat back and forth. Mark says this, that Jesus saw the men. He saw them toiling in their rowing. He saw them struggling with their oars. He saw them fighting against this fierce storm. And at four o'clock in the morning, Jesus, the God of the universe, turns white caps into a red carpet as he walks on water to get to where his friends are. John gives a little bit more detail to this story in his gospel. Uh, He says that the disciples had rowed about 25 or 30 furlongs, which is approximately 3.5 miles from the shore. Now, scientists say that if the disciples struggled and strained their way through a fierce storm at 3.5 miles from where Jesus stood on land, they say it would be humanly impossible for Him to see them from His position. They say it is absolutely impossible because the earth curves out of sight at a distance of 3.1 miles. So picture this. Jesus is standing uh, on the shore. Uh, The disciples are 3.5 miles at sea. uh, And John says that he sees them. Humanly, it's impossible because in in perfect daylight, the human eye can only see up to 3.1 miles before the earth curves out of distance. Yet at 3.5 miles, Jesus sees them in their suffering. He he sees them in their time of need. He, He sees them in the middle of their storm. According to the limitations of of human ability, these troubled disciples uh, were out of visual range. Uh, according to to science, according to the way uh, mankind is made up, uh, these disciples were four tenths of a mile past hope. Uh, these disciples were four tenths of a mile too far gone, uh, because to the normal eye uh, they were out of sight. Uh, therefore, they should have been out of mind. But can I preach to somebody this morning. You see the eyes that glared through the darkness that night were not normal eyes. Can I tell you it wasn't just an average set of eyes that peered out across the sea on that dark night. Though these eyes were subject or these eyes were not subject to human restraint. These eyes were not limited by distance. These eyes were not hampered by hindrances. They were not disadvantaged by conditions. They were the all-seeing eyes of the almighty God. Not only were the disciples beyond visible distance, not only were they beyond visual range, but it was pitch black. It was four o'clock in the morning. It it was just before dawn, and we all know that it gets darkest just before daylight. So at four o'clock in the morning, the darkest point of the evening, even if the disciples had been a hundred feet from Jesus, even if they had been perhaps 25 feet in Jesus, it would have still been humanly impossible for Him to see them because of pure blackness Had they been standing right in front of the Master, He would have still been blinded from seeing anyone or anything, simply uh, by darkness. Can I tell you the power of God uh, surpassed every hurdle. uh, It surpassed every hindrance. uh, And from uh, afar off, Though they were just out of visual range, though they were just out of distance, Jesus saw where his friends were. He saw where they were struggling. He he saw where they were toiling. He saw them where they were, and he saw what they were in. Can I pause and preach to somebody in the Holy Ghost right now? You may feel like you've sailed four-tenths of a mile past visible distance. And, and you may feel like you're, you're having to row your way through the storm of your life. You're in the middle of a trouble. You're in the middle of a trial. You're in the middle of a great struggle. And you feel like you're, you're not within a million miles of God. You feel like you've somehow gone about four tenths of a mile past the distance that God is able to see. I'm preaching to somebody right now. The devil has told you that you've gone too far. The devil's told you you've wasted too much time. He said you've done too much. The devil's convinced or tried to convince somebody that you've outrun the love of God. You're beyond God's reach. You've maxed out on mercy In your lifetime, can I tell you, sir, ma'am, you may feel like you're out of distance, but you are not out of sight. God sees where you are. What we cannot see, God sees. Though we can't look, God can look and see where we are. You may feel like you're out of distance, but you're not out of sight. God sees you where you are. I know the storm surrounds you I know the winds have rocked you I know the enemy's howl of intimidation has struck fear in you I know the waves have almost overtaken you the the, the waters have risen against you but I've got good news this morning where the eyes of God sees hope is always alive there is no storm that can dim the glimmer of God God's hope, uh, God's mercy, uh, and God's grace there is no clap of thunder that can scare off hope there's no gust of wind that can blow it out no crashing wave can wash it away no rain shower can dampen it but in every condition in every trial in every situation you face I've just come to preach a simple message today that regardless of where you are there is hope for you you're not beyond the reach of God, you're not beyond his eyesight there is hope for you oh that we could realize that there is hope I said faith is the substance of things hoped for so if we can ever get the understanding that there really is hope from our problem if we could ever get the, 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 the grasp a hold of the concept that though everything seems to be swirling around me and I, I seem to find myself in a difficult position if I can just understand that there is hope faith won't be so hard for me to exercise belief in his power won't be so hard to activate because faith Hope produces faith, and even on the stormy sea of sin, even on the stormy sea of life situations, there is still hope for you. There is still hope in Jesus Christ. I find proof of this. I find evidence in our story. Jesus, from afar off, from three point five miles away Jesus saw them uh, through the pure blackness uh, through the curve of the earth's atmosphere uh, Jesus looked directly into their circumstance uh, he looked directly into their situation uh, he saw where they were uh, he saw their suffering uh, he saw their fear uh, he saw the, the shock and awe that was on their face uh, their, their, their uncertainty uh, of when and how and if they would ever make it to shore uh, again he looked right through all the obstacles uh, all All of the hindrances. And he saw them where they were. And what Jesus saw brought forth a response in his action. Jesus just didn't see them. And observe. Jesus just didn't watch them and wonder if they would survive. But when Jesus saw them, Jesus began walking toward them. Jesus, you see, that they're suffering through the storm, made Jesus step into the storm. Their troubled waters became his treaded waters. Their misery became his mission. And Jesus stepped off of the shore. And he stepped onto the sea. And Jesus began to walk on water. I don't believe he was walking on water just to create a good Sunday school story. I don't believe he walked on water to give something captivating and interesting to preach about. I don't think he necessarily walked on water just to show and display what he could do. I believe he walked on water because he knew his friends were in a storm. He knew his friends were in a situation. And he began to walk on water just simply so that he could get to where... They were. I believe Jesus stepped out and he performed this great feat for the sole purpose of letting those friends know that even though you can't see me, I am still with you in life's hardest trial. You may not know that I am near, but get the revelation now. I see where you are. I know what you're facing and I am with you. steps out and he begins walking on water. You see, what really happened in this moment is Jesus began to walk upon waves. What happened was Jesus He began to defy the very law of physics and the very law of distance that he had put in place himself. He began to defy those very things that he had spoken into existence. All for the purpose of getting to where his friends were in their time of need. I don't know what you're going through I don't know what you're facing in your life. I don't know what you're having to endure. But I believe the Holy Ghost has sent this okie from Muskogee to Lake City, Arkansas to just encourage somebody and tell you this is no time to give up. This is no time to jump ship. This is no time to throw in the towel. I know you may be going through some bad times. I know you may be fighting what seems like every devil in hell. I know it feels like... Like you're struggling and you just can't get ahead. I know it feels like you, you just can't get get out of the storm system you just can't row fast enough you, 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 you can't work hard enough to get away from the storm but would you hear me this morning don't you give up don't you jump ship stay in the boat keep striving keep believing keep worshiping keep praying because God's coming to where you are. God's not going to leave you in your misery alone. He's not going to leave you to struggle through life's problems, depending upon your own power. But He's going to do a miraculous thing. He's going to start walking on some waters. He's going to start stomping on some troubles. He's going to start calming some winds. And He's going to show up in the middle of your storm and let you know I've still got everything under control. I know you were fearful. I know you were afraid. I know you wondered if you would ever survive. But here I am, be of good cheer don't be afraid fear not, I am here I am with you in the middle of your storm It's a simple message. It's not going to blow your theological socks off today. Uh, I just want to tell you, in the middle of your storm, Jesus is coming. Jesus is getting ready to show up. He's getting ready to make His presence known. You feel like you're out of distance, but you're not out of sight. He's coming to where you are. I know what it feels like to sail through that storm. I know what it feels like the to toil and to strive and to struggle and wonder. Does God know where I am? Does God see my situation? Does He even clue in to the problems that are going on in my life? I know what it's like, but I'm also reminded of a scripture in the Word of God. I think it's Genesis 8, chapter 1. I don't remember. The, I can't quote the whole scripture, but the first few words say this for the Andrew it said and God remembered Noah While Noah, uncertain of how long he was going to be floating along on the waters uh, during this fierce storm, uh, uncertain of how long he would be in that situation, uh, oh, God didn't forget about him. Uh, God didn't uh, forget about His promise. Uh, God didn't abandon His plan. Uh, but even as Noah probably began to get a little fed up uh, with the smell of all those animals, and Noah began to begin to get a little antsy when. I going to get off this boat? When is this rain going to end? When is this flood going to subside? When am I going to get off of this boat? When am I going to get out of this position? Oh, but I find it encouraging that even though everything seemed uncertain, things were up in the air, things were unsettled, God remembered Noah, oh, saint of God, friend of mine, sinner, I don't know who you are, but where you are in the middle of your storm, you may be floating on uncharted waters. You may be drifting in a storm you know nothing about, but hear me right now. You are not alone. God's not forgotten about you. He knows where you are. I find it encouraging uh, to just, uh, oftentimes uh, in scripture, uh, I'll swap out their name for mine. I'll swap their name out for mine. Uh, So every now and then I'll read it like this. And God uh, remembered uh, Jeremy. I believe somehow you ought to do that this morning. And God remembers me. God knows where I'm at. God knows what I'm going through. He sees me in my frustration. He sees me in my uncertainty. He sees me in my fear. God knows where you Just as Jesus stood on the shore in darkness and saw His disciples as they struggled through this storm. Just as it was so in that story, He saw His disciples from an unforeseeable distance. I can also stand before you today and say He also saw me. He also saw me. see, long before this world as we know it ever existed, the pure and holy God stepped out onto a balcony of space. There in awesome solitude, He stood all alone. Not one star gave Him light. It was nothing but endless rolling, black as night. But somehow, through all of that darkness, Somehow, through all of that pitch blackness, the eye of God could see. Somehow, the eye of God could see mountains high and lofty. He could see valleys lush and green. He could see babbling brooks flowing by. He, he could see white flowers growing. He even heard a robin sing its morning song out of nowhere a strange compassion he felt it was as close to love as pain could ever be and standing out there in his tomorrow Earl Ewing said he saw me he saw me in his likeness He saw me just like him. Pure, clean, and holy. He saw me spotless, white as snow. But at the same time, he saw me bound in heavy chains. And he longed to do something about it. He longed to set me free. He longed to step into my suffering. But he knew... If I became like Him, He must become like me. Looking through darkness, through nothing. Jesus, God, got the revelation that if I'm to become like Him, He'd have to become like me. And for that very reason, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, what I'm preaching about is much bigger than just a a, a storm on a Galilean countryside it's more than just a biblical story we learned in Sunday school uh, uh, the same concept applies in our realm today, uh, Jesus uh, God himself uh, saw you uh, and he saw me, uh, when this world was still nothing, uh, out of pure blackness, he saw you uh, and he saw me uh, and that, that, that revelation, that realization uh, of who we were and what we could be uh, drove him to the point of robing him himself in flesh and coming to earth in the form of a baby to seek and to save that which was lost. He roped himself in human form, stepped out of the portals of glory and chose to walk the dusty paths of earth, chose to live a humble life, chose to live just as one of us. so that He could come and be where we are. He left the splendor of heaven just to be in the middle of our storm. Just to be in the middle of our suffering. Just to identify with our pain. Just to identify with what it's like to live This life, He came for you and He came for me. And the path that He took was the path of impossibility. He took the path of impossibility to get where we are. You see, upon seeing His disciples in their suffering on the sea in the middle of their storm, Jesus conquered the impossible task of walking on water in order to get to them. And upon seeing me in my sin, upon seeing me in my lonely, helpless state, Jesus chose to take the impossible task. He chose to conquer the impossible task of being born of a virgin just so that He could come to where I was. The path of impossibility is the path that He always takes to get to right where we are. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm preaching to somebody in the Holy Ghost this morning. God knows where you are. And He's coming to where you are. He knows your storm. He knows what you're going through. Oh, the revelation. Oh, the thought. That God came to where I was. Think about it. God came. I was. I know it's not Christmas time, but the name should be called Emmanuel. It's being interpreted is God with us. God came where I was. The most sovereign, supreme being this world has ever known, that there has ever been. He could have chose to calm a little storm in my life, however. Chose, but he chose to come to where I am. As the disciples sailed, as they as they struggled through this intense storm, Jesus could have just stood on the shore. He could have even spoken the word and everything been subsided. At just the mention of his very name, the waves could have remained calm. Winds could have died down. But when he could have taken the path of convenience, he took the path of impossibility. And he said, I could just speak the word. I'm going to come to where you are. I'm going to come. I'm going to put myself right out in the middle of your problem. And I'm going to let you know that I am with you. I'm not a distant God. I'm not a far away God. What the Bible says, a very present help in trouble. He's come. I believe it's Mark that kind of sheds light on the second half of the miracle. And I'm closing. Musicians can come. I believe it's Mark who kind of sheds light on the after miracle, if I could put it that way. Jesus makes his presence known. They think he's a spirit, they think he's a ghost. He says, Be not afraid, it is I. And hold Peter. When he sees that it is Jesus. When Peter gets the revelation that in their fierce storm Jesus had come out to where they were. Peter got this revelation. Peter says, Lord, if it be Thou bid me come unto Thee on the water. Jesus, if that's really you, if you really came through the, through the winds and through the waves and you walked on water through this storm just to get to where we are, Jesus, if that's really you and you really came for that reason, call me out on the water. Call me out to come unto you. See, when you realize just how far Jesus came for you, it makes it easy to then come to Him. The understanding and revelation of just how far God came for you. Just how much He sacrificed to get to where you are you really grasp a hold of that you really understand how far he came coming to him is not that hard Peter Peter said Jesus you came all this way you came to me now I've got to come to you Jesus said come stepped out of that boat Peter he himself began walking on water just as he has seen Jesus do uh, moments earlier Peter himself began to take that same path of impossibility Peter began walking on water so he could get soon Peter got to feeling real good about himself Peter started feeling proud of his accomplishment Peter started getting a little super spiritual Peter got got so saved that he took his eyes off of Jesus while walking on water he took his eyes off of Jesus Peter began to see began to to, to fold down into the sea disappearing by the second Peter began to sink all of a sudden in desperation Peter cries out three powerful words as he sank as he drifted Peter cried out Lord save me Peter said Lord save me Jesus reached out took Peter by the hand lifted him up rescued him from sinking as you stand to your feet this morning I know this has probably been very different you'll we'll perhaps do things differently tonight but I believe the Holy Ghost has sent me here to tell somebody in this house God knows where you are He knows the storm that you're in and He's come to where you are but it's not enough for you to just come to Him It's not enough that you just come to Jesus. Gonna do as Peter did and cry out, Lord, save me. Coming. Simply coming to Him. It's a good start. It's a great step. You've got to do it. But sir, don't stop with just knowing about Jesus. Ma'am, don't stop with just feeling His presence and knowing all about Him. He's come so far for you as you begin to come to Him. Most important three words you could ever say is Lord, save me." I'm drifting, I know all the songs, I I can quote scripture, I know all about you, I know all the miracles, I've memorized all the Sunday school stories, I've came to you, but that alone will not save me, sooner or later knowledge will fail me, wisdom will come up short, I'll begin drifting, I'll begin sinking. Somebody could step out from that pew this morning with the understanding that God has come so far for me. The least I can do is come to Him and in desperate faith cry out, Lord, save me.